Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Yeah, so Amanda was cleaning out her... No. Amanda was cleaning out her office the other day and goes, look what I found. That is one of the brown hats from the first run. You know, the one that's like now legendary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The one that's the like the same hat. It's yeah. just this one's new. I first walked in and I said, what on earth did you wash that thing with? <laughs> so J- Jerry's the only other one that's got one. Jerry. No, no, uh, no, no, no. So this no, brown hat, I had a brown hat like that. Jordan had one I still like have that. one at the house. I still have one, but mine's tan now. It's so oh, faded. wait. Briar used to have one too, but Briar's was wore it black, black tar. Yeah, yeah. He still has it. I'm sure. Amanda found that hat stuffed down in a corner office somewhere. It was stuffed down in a corner office somewhere, and I said, "I you I I found it, so I'm keeping that hat." And then uh, I was like, "Wait a minute, I've got to give that to Briar. (laughs) Got to give it to Briar because he was the one he wore that hat literally slap out." By the way, I've it's still going. Okay, (laughs) I'm gonna keep wearing. I had uh, I got the red, white, and blue UPO hat. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, after fishing, whatever. It just the white starts to get a little dingy. Um, what's that stuff? That dude, he died from doing cocaine. Oxyclean. Oxyclean. <laughs> cocaine clean. I love that you just immediately got that riff. Oxyclean. Billy. No, no, no. I knew yeah. what he was talking about. Yeah. Oh man, you dip you dip that white lid in the oxyclean for a little while. Let it sit, then give it a clean rinse. Brand new. That wasn't how you turned all your gear in for CIS. Oh yeah, it's oxyclean. Absolutely. But I wash. <clears throat> so I take all my hats occasionally and uh, soak them in oxyclean and um, take Dawn dish soap to the inside of the brim because it gets cuts the oil real good and gets your sweat out of there. And then soak them in the sink in like real hot water in uh, like laundry detergent and oxyclean. Just let them soak for a while. That water is so nasty brown when they're done. But mm. even even my green hat from this run, I've worn it so much that I've got a nice sweat ring right around the thing that's all white now. Yeah, I think this one's getting a little crusty. You know, I love a legendary hat. And to me, a legendary hat's where it's been worn so much. Um, it's there's one, holes in it, right? Like not only just, you know, now you see them, they make them and they were already starting to fray the brim. But I mean, a legit, not cheesy already built into the factory fray but real phrase holes in the actual hat itself and anyway, it's all just floppy right like a legendary hat that's seen a ton of action but the problem is now i got so many upo hats 
Like, I won't live long enough to get a legendary hat. <laughs> or eventually it's going to blow off my head on a duck boat or something. Oh, see, I can't tell you how many. Uh, I've had so many. I should have a box like that full of hats right now. But I can't tell you how many times I've been on the boat or something. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. Gone. Gone. Yeah. Well, that's it. These, these trucker hats, man, they don't hold up because all the mesh, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, float. that other one that I had, I lost it on the boat and found it. Which one? The other one like this. The other round one? Yeah, he yeah. called me. He called me. <laughs> Dang it, I lost it. And then I remember yeah. I found it. He's like, man, I just lost my brown hat. It was it was like brand new then. So it was christened and just destined to be mm-hmm. a legendary hat. Yeah. Speaking of which, Brian Irish, the guy who's been on the podcast a couple times. Yeah. With Murph, he was asking me about a hat. So Yeah, grab one, get it over to him. Yeah, take a we, picture of it. We still got plenty of them. You hear that, Brian? One coming to you. We got. A, I got some more. Uh, more of the small stickers in the works because we're running real low on those, and we'll plenty of those to start shipping. Something out else the other day, I can't remember what it was. Stickers or something like that. That I was thinking about ordering something from somewhere, and I got caught up with work and forgot what it was. So yeah, it'll probably be another month now when I remember what it was. Yeah. So. We we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but we, we've had some interest in in uh, on the UPO Nation page about getting together and having uh, just pick a pick a place to eat, have some chicken wings and a few brews. Yeah, what do you guys think is the best central location for that? Mm. Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm trying to think of a good chicken wing joint oh, because you Frogger's. know, like a Frogger's, they're pretty much all over. Or Gators, Gators, Dockside. He's, he said a good chicken wing joint. What's yeah. wrong with Frogger's and Gators? Frogger's man, you know, back there. in the day, it would have been no. easy. It just said Hooters and it'd been like done. Yeah, Hooters, but man. Great. You know, when you, I had some Hooters wings down by the airport. The airport's always bumping. They yeah, fresh, and they were old school Hooters wings, even though they had the breading on them. They were good. Like I can't, I can't hate on them. They were awesome. But other times, you go into Hooters and it's almost like the. Man, they've been in the grease and they got cold and they re-greased yeah. them. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Does anybody still make chicken wings with with bread on them like that? Oh yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah. Kurs does, but you can get them the Kurs. They give you like grilled. Yeah. You can get naked. them naked or yeah, yeah. Always get them naked, anyways. Yeah. I don't like all the extra breading and crap on nah. there. No. It just fills you up faster. Yeah, yeah. just throw them, but, in, throw them in the grease as they are. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to think of a good toss them in some sauce. There's got to be a good like specific. Pretty much chicken wing joint. You know, there's some there's some of those places. Well, I wouldn't want to limit people just to be able to have chicken yeah. wings. I mean, they all sell burgers anyways, too. Right, but. that's true. Hey, I'm good with all of them, man. It doesn't really matter. Um, I just don't know. When you think about scope, right? Like, we're all kind of out in this area. Right. Like, I mean, I'm Sunwell County. Y'all are Lake County. But, like, Al and uh, Cameron and... Bunch of those dudes are. So like, I was trying to Moss think. Park, Boone High School. I, tried, I wanted to. Briar had a point with Frogger's because Frogger's is in a. You can go to the one in a Popka. Yeah, there's like yeah. one everywhere. Um, now nah, a Popka, I think Okoe and Mount Dora are the only three. Really? Yeah. Well, more than that. There's a Gators in a Popka too. Yeah. Yeah, there's pretty much. There's, there's a, a nice little wing joint in Okoe. I can't remember what it's called though. They got some pretty dang good wings. We'll How's the beer? Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. as long as it's cold, eh? 
Yeah. As long as it's on tap. Yeah. You can... I remember where I was uh, the other day, but I went to order a beer, and she told me that uh, they didn't have any beer on tap because of COVID. And I was like, that's the worst excuse I have ever heard. Especially now. There's for still not having beer hey, look, on tap. Everybody is still That's like telling you I didn't wipe my butt because it was wet. It's <laughs> yeah. just, it, it, it's the go-to excuse now. For for all that stuff. Oh well, we're, well, she we're said low they, on stock because of COVID. She said they haven't had they haven't had beer on tap since COVID, and I was like, what? It it wasn't a place that did like a lot of craft brew, was it? No, okay. no, 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 no. This this saying, is this is a seafood restaurant, right? Like, now listen, <clears throat> so we we decided to get up from our table where where it stuck us off in the back. It's just me and Amanda. So we're up in is in Georgia, yeah, and. Uh, we went over and sat at the bar. When we got to the bar, I'm looking around. I'm like, "Where the did they did they just rip out all their taps and lines and everything? Because there was not a space at the bar for there to have for them to ever have had beer on tap." Hmm. And I was trying to think back to a time when I'd had beer on draft there before. Because we used, this this is a place where every Sunday they would do all you can eat crab legs for fifty bucks. And believe you, you can Money eat fifty dollars in crab legs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, easy. Um, so we went there on Father's Day for the all you can eat crab legs to find out that they don't do all you can eat crab legs on Father's Day. Ooh, bitches! That's, That's why because they know the fathers want crab. And legs. I was like, what the fuck, man? And as she said, I said, why don't you do all you can eat crab legs on Father's Day? Well, you wouldn't have got in here. I said I showed up an hour early. They usually open at four. And I, was, I showed up and I showed up at three. And she's like, well, you weren't here early. We opened at noon. I said, you didn't advertise that anywhere. And this place isn't exactly hopping. It wasn't <laughs> hopping. It, it didn't get busy till after four o'clock. You know, if, you, if you're serving beer, well, same with sodas, man. I always wonder when you go to a restaurant and you order something, and you're like, yeah, I'll take a Diet Coke and they bring you a can. Yeah. I'm like, do you have <laughs> any idea how margin works? Right? I mean, because it's been a long time, but I remember back in the day, the material cost at Church Street Station for a glass of beer was eight cents. You know, that was back in the day when they were still charging only like three bucks a beer. Yeah. Right? I mean, for it's what, eight like cents. 14 now? I don't know, but it doesn't matter. The whole point is, the only thing I could, it doesn't make any sense because even if they had had beer and not paid their distributor, so their distributor's like, you ain't getting any more beer until you pay us, I would still think a guy could go down to like a ice house or something buy a keg of beer and slap it in their restaurant. Maybe that's not legal. I don't know enough about the restaurant business. But man, if you're serving nothing but bottled beer, that that's just dumb. I wouldn't think that place is going to be around much longer. The only place I've seen where I that I felt it was smart for them to serve bottled beer was a restaurant we used to go to in Georgia. Won't name the name, so if they're doing something they should get in trouble for because they were an awesome restaurant. But they didn't serve beer. But they would hold your six or twelve pack for like four dollars in the fridge and bring them to you when you wanted them. Yeah, BYOB joint. Yeah, I don't even know if you need a liquor license for that. That's why they were doing it that way. Now I don't know if they are supposed to have one as a restaurant or whatever, but we'll, we'll just keep it on on the DL best fried pickles I ever had. I think that's way back in the day. There used to be after hours clubs. I don't know if there still are. I don't know. I used but to date a certain sect of people who participate in those clubs no this, this place 
this place just served the best fried pickles and the biggest pork chops you've ever seen. And it was all delicious. Not too many people eating in that restaurant over 60, though, because they all died. See, oh, <laughs> you didn't even have to mouth that to me because you said the best fried pickles, and that just instantly, I was like, best fried pickles. I already knew where you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, if you ever <clears throat> you go there and you think you're going to get the two pork chops, don't. Just get one. Just get one. Because you're going to eat the two, but then you're going to be so full that you're sick and you're going to regret having ate two of them. Yeah, if you're ever in, uh, what where was that at in Georgia? Shelman. Shelman, Georgia. This conversation's killing me. I'm on day five of 1,800 calories or less. Whew. Like, And I've not even hit that, man. I've been cruising at about 15.5 or less. I'm on uh, oh. year 27 of eating whatever I want. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> and here, here I was. Here I was today. Do you weigh a hundred pounds? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm hey, one forty. He's carrying a send, couple of cinder blocks when no. he's on the scale to do that. I, I got a little. Him. I got a little bit of a belly on me now. It's due to some beverages involving wheat and hops and stuff like that. But nah, my fat carcass topped out at two seventy four when I was out in New Mexico. And getting up a hill wasn't so bad, but coming down because I got that arthritis. It was oh, brutal. Yeah. And so I said, "All right, that's it. I got to, I got to get to the gym. I got, I hadn't been doing it. You get back to your uh, nowhere near where I used to be as a youth. I, that that ship has long sailed. <laughs> getting back to your your hiking for hike to hunt, hike Wait. to hunt days. Um, at hike to hunt, I was I was not that thin either, but yeah, <laughs> yeah but you. you could, you can go out and do a thousand calories of walking and eat two thousand calories of food, and you aren't going to lose your weight. No, but I, anyway, ironically, this whole thing about the gym with for a fellow with a bad knee, you would this was totally counterintuitive. Squats, man, I started doing squats, and it's like the arthritis went away. It's still, yeah, he's getting bit. stronger. You'll find that like a lot of places where you have pain, if you you strengthen your stabilizing muscles around that joint, it'll it'll alleviate it. It will alleviate a lot of the pain. It's working. Yeah. But despite the fact that I was working out two hours a day, like weights and then getting in the pool and doing a mile, wasn't good enough. So then I started, I've never counted calories in my life. Well, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? you know, but I've lost weight successfully in the past just through work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess once you cross 50, you actually really have to add them things up. Here you are so, talking about eating 1800 calories a day and I've been working on my own uh, weight loss journey, but I, I brought back some uh, pecan pralines from... Stop talking about this stuff. From Savannah. Oh, this is this is bad. I saved you. Look, Jim, I saved you. You ate them all? I ate them all. I did, you damn right I did. <laughs> I, had, I had five left this afternoon. And I ate one. I was like, I'm going to give these other ones to the guys. Ten minutes later, I'm like, the fuck that. And I ate the rest of them. <laughs> but Jordan's over here talking about pork chops that are so big you can't eat two of them. So I'm envisioning these big double... It's happening now as I'm talking. My salivary glands are getting out of... <laughs> I had pork chops for dinner. Moving well, before on. we go any further, let me go ahead and let y'all know who we got in the room tonight. I'm your host, Phil Cribs, and I've got Jordan. I'm here. Let's do it. Mr. 1800 Calories a Day, Jim. Jim. <laughs> and, and Briar. Hi, y'all. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to kind of go back and, and recap some of these podcasts we've done over the last few weeks and and uh, talk about the... We've been working tediously with a, a help from a lot of the listeners and, uh, and got people from the UPO Nation to... Uh, Put together some wood duck boxes. Yeah. You know what's crazy? We have been uh, severely blessed lately 
and have put so many podcasts in the books within the past few weeks that I'm sitting here trying to remember which ones we've done in the past few weeks. Well, I'm trying to remember which ones have actually aired. Yeah, so, so <laughs> no, we've done. So at well, the by time, the time this one airs, they'll all have aired. But yeah, oh, at, at yeah. this at this time, yeah. But I'm just trying to reminisce to back to all of them because we've yeah. we've done like six in the past few weeks. At this time, the only one that has not aired is the roast. The roast, under pressure outdoors. But this will come out the week after that. So how many how many did you do in my absence? Two, three. Let's see. Were you here? You were here with Cameron Gordon, weren't you? I was. You weren't here. So, with, were you here with Chris? Nope. Nope. Okay. I wasn't here with Chris either. That was just me and you. Yeah. So two. We did another one the week of Chris. Uh we did. Um, that we talked to the the gentleman. Oh from yeah, Denmark. the guy. You were here from the guy from Denmark. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. 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 Still want to get, man, every time I still I still cannot believe how when you look at the grand scheme of what it costs to do a hunt, how cheap it is to actually go over there and do like a roe deer hunt, kick around the bush and shoot some mallards and some doves and some just everything you can for a week. I, I agree when he was mentioning how they hunt and a lot of our crew who I mean come on man, we're we're opportunistic. Right, wild game killing machines, seasons just dictate what we do, right? And so small game, we're out eating small game, you know. Right. And this guy's describing what they do. They just wander around and they see something that's lawful to hunt and eat, brown down. You know, that, yeah. It's like that's the greatest hunt of all time. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we go hunt run roe deer, but we shoot some birds and nah, nah. You're like cats, yeah, rabbits. Cats. <laughs> <laughs> you're like that sounds amazing. The occasional feral cat, rabbits, yeah, yeah, feral rabbits. That's like I you guess. know, sometimes when you go hunting and you're like, next thing that moves, I'm shooting because I just want to pull the trigger. <laughs> like you go over there, you don't have to worry about that because if it moves, you can shoot it. Jim, are are you gonna be able to resist the the muscle memory you've built when you go to hunt Seminole Forest this year and not shoot hey, a squirrel? Yeah. Listen, I don't know uh, if they've done it yet or not, but when I checked earlier today, the uh, antlerless deer was still pending. I, um, I don't think I put in for that this year. I don't think it allowed me to because I drew I last did. year on every single one that I put in for. I I, I did too. Yeah, maybe maybe I did. I don't know. Man, if I managed to get like a Seminole Forest antlerless deer, because I, <laughs> I'm gonna go in there and I, shoot you five years. <laughs> this is my fifth year, right? Boom. I mean, actually, that's like the, that's what I just apply for. And it's ironic because this year I said, well, I'm gonna apply for that first, and then I spread it around. Because I've not wanted to, I've not, I've wanted to hunt there and I've not wanted to draw a tag that maybe I wasn't as keen about and then have to go through the process of turning it in for a redraw. I'd rather just let somebody else that really wants to hunt a place hunt it. Right. Um, so this year, man, when I ended up with muzzle loader, like so we had success last year during muzzy season, first week muzzy with a whole bunch of other dudes that we know. And then. Also got Seminole Forest. That's what I said, Ben. Oh, you know, I never. I, I got to buy a lottery ticket tonight. You know, it's like, is that is that yeah. what you drew Seminole Forest for? Was muzzleloader? No, I got Seminole Forest for first season of General Gun. Ooh. Oh my gosh! See, I have Rock Springs. I'm already having stand anxiety. Like, <laughs> oh, which place do I go? I've got Rock Springs for for General Gun. 
Oh, and, really? Yeah. I got Rock Springs for General Gun, and then I got um, Seminole Lake Tracy for Wild Pig in December. Nice. Can you have a guest on that one? I, yeah. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. So, I don't know what week in December, because that's when I have my hunt in. Antler, let's do your still pending draw. That's I when my hunt is in uh, Seminole. And then we're, when is Muzzy? October 22nd? But it's me. So, I mean, basically all four of us will probably be in the woods. You know, I'll take whoever is a guest. And if I get the antler this tag, I guess I'll have to take that out before Will gets it. <laughs> yeah, I've got, uh, so that's um, <clears throat> 12, 9 to 12, 11 is that wild hog hunt in Seminole Lake Tracy. 12, 9, 12, 11. Man, what is it? I think that's what mine is. The day before my birthday. Uh, that's just watch. What were you doing being born on in around the permit draw time? I don't know. I can't help you there, bud. It's like people that get married November eighth. That's also why would you do that? That's also usually the opening, uh, the second phase of duck season. Hey, I'll go run some pigs down with a shotgun. Yeah, and <laughs> buckshot and maybe some steel. <laughs> I'm done with steel. <laughs> done with steel. What's your, what's your what's your what's your what's your qualms against steel, Jim? That I could I could shoot you from here and probably not penetrate your skin. I don't seem to have any problem with it. Well, you're right. I mean, I I've, I've killed birds with steel, but you, you you watched me shoot a crow three damn times. You watched the I crow. Watched. Go, ah, 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 you know the crow's clearly getting clobbered, and finally it dropped. But it. No, it didn't drop. I was there. That that bird did not drop. Because you hit it three. You did. You nope, you're right. Three times. J- I'm sorry. I apologize. I confused that one and a crow that Jason Geiner and I both were popping off on on another lake because we were actually hunting teal or ducks. I forget. It doesn't matter. There's, I know we're there's still both ducks. And uh, yeah. But, oh, but I'm, what I was trying to remember is if it was during teal season or duck season. And it was one of those mornings where as you're not only as you're shooting, you can see your shot pattern going out and I can see his. And that same thing where we're, we're watching this crow just getting pounded when it was steel. And we did drop it. But I'll bet that crow took pieces and parts of four to five different 12 gauge loads. And, wow. these, and these were number two goose loads. I think we might have been shooting at <laughs> In was, your defense, I also I don't shoot straight steel. I shoot heavy shot, heavy steel, which is copper plated and a little biz in it. Has some bismuth in it, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean I'm talking no, these were yeah, this was just straight steel. I can't bring myself to switch because that stuff shoots I, I have just gotten so used to how it shoots out of my gun. And it's in terms of most shot shells, they're they're fairly cheap. It ain't it's not, you know, Winchester double A cheap, but that's for, well, wait, Winchester Double X makes a hell of a shell, but those are skeet and trap shells. But but you can still buy them in steel. Really? Oh yeah, yeah I know. Sh- the shells are awesome. They're great for reloading. I used them. Uh, I used those those like number seven steel shot to go out and just absolutely wax squirrels in um, one of the spots we duck hunted in Georgia when I lived up there because the river would come up and flood all the timber and the squirrels just didn't know what to do. So we would duck hunt all morning and then. When the ducks quit flying, we would kind of move to the top of the river or to the top of the uh, the lake, and the natural current pushing through there from all the flooded timber would push you down the edge of the lake. You just smack them up, waylay them. 
I'm yeah. talking 15, 16 squirrels in an hour. Between, between Jim, two uh, it's kind of funny today because I had just gotten around a day to listen to the podcast. And uh, I had literally just gotten to the part to where Jim's like, if I don't draw Seminole Forest this year, <laughs> <laughs> and then a picture comes through from Jim, and he's got Seminole Forest. And I was like, son of a gun, look at that. <laughs> Thank you, FWC. Man, I got two Rock Springs hunts. I can't complain. I'm ready. We're literally in I got to get a Springs. bow. I got an archery hunt. I don't have a bow, so I got to get a bow. But We're in Rock Springs from archery all through Muzzle General Gun. Gun. Oh, yeah, well, you got General Gun. Because I'm in General Gun, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll probably be back for small game season too. So yeah, absolutely. I have yet to small game hunt in there, but man, I've seen some spots. Oh, is that open that, now or uh, it, small game? It's got a op- a weekend that's open. Yeah, yeah. it's I got two, it's weekends. two weekends. Two yeah. weekends, yeah. But it's in like uh, December. One's in December and one's in January. Hmm. Something like that. We had something going on. I think we were in Kentucky this year. Yeah. And couldn't make it to that small game hunt. I think you're right. This last year, but mm. it's hot and cold. There, well, there's it's patchy too. There's years where Squirrels are everywhere. Um, Depends on the weather, really. I guess that's true. Squirrel what, what, yeah, right. weather leading up to and weather day of. Whereas, you know, across the street over in Seminole Forest, I guess it, you got to go still, through an awful lot of pines. That place is littered with them. I'll say Seminole Forest is still patchy because there's been years where I have just loaded down. I'm talking about walking out of there with like 13 squirrels apiece. Yeah. And then there's years where you walk out of there with like six. Well, in the last couple of years, we've taken, taken some pretty damn fine squirrel hunters back in there, too. So, yeah, I've been thinning them out a little more, maybe. I I, I cannot oh. imagine that in two weekends, even with some of the increased traffic that we've brought in there for small game season, that we're actually putting a dent in those things. So that they're I'm, so... The Vietnamese are. I don't know that. But they're still only in there for two weekends, and they got <laughs> limits. So, I don't think it's it's... Actually, be I'm pretty sure it's mung. Mung, mm. mm. yeah. from what I understand, are very uh, mung immigrants are are very big in small game hunting. Mm. That's and they're excellent hunters as well. I've had a conversation. Which, I, if that is the case, I definitely do not disagree because I'm always jealous when that dude comes out of the woods and he's just strapped and he's got the walk right there cooking him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I ran into him once actually in Rock Springs and they were they were cleaning and. Actually, they were they were singeing the hair off them with a butane torch. Yeah, not even scaring them. Just no. Um, huh. And you know, but they're pretty good that way, though. It's crazy how different cultures cook like that, dude. But you think all the fat you keep inside there? Yeah, I don't know, man. But those guys are. And if you're killing them out of acorns, that's acorn fat. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. That's it's it. It's a lot like the fat you have on a deer. So. I'd love to have those guys on the podcast if we can. But man, they come in, they're like ghosts. They sign mm-hmm. in, boom, and and it's rare that you run them in the woods. Like I've only run. Yeah. I know they're there. I know they're doing. They're bringing out big numbers, right? But I rarely ever actually encounter them, right? Because like they park and then clubs. walk like miles. Maybe that's it, man. Maybe they're just covering ground and just go. Well, we're creeping. I don't know. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe they actually even opened hog in Seminole Forest for a small game this year. I don't know. Like I thought Tracy. it was talked about. Is it just like Tracy? I don't want to. 
Um, if I'm wrong here, wrong. it's all on me. But Jean Marie, at one point, because I think she has a lot, an awful, if not, if she doesn't have the total influence, an awful lot of influence, um, she does a lot of physically impaired hunts. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, she had a gentleman who I, I believe was actually quadriplegic who loved to trap hogs. And he had a couple of his friends who come out there and they were trapping hogs. So I think that part of the reason that it wasn't open for hunting is because she was using that as an opportunity for people that otherwise struggle, you know, it's tough. I mean, hunting's already hard. Do right. it without legs or without legs or arms? Holy crap. I'd actually talked to a gentleman, I assume he was fairly old, so I assume he may be. Like me? No, no, no. He was like 70s, late 70s. Uh, it was last year at the small game hunt, and I asked him, I was like, why don't we? Why don't you guys allow hogs out here? During small game. This is a gentleman at the check station. Yeah. Yeah. And he told us that because Jean Marie, which is, it's reasonable, um, thinks that if they were to open hogs, that it would be kind of like a free for all. And she likes to keep the small game hunts more so like family oriented. I'm all for she, it. She thinks yeah. she would have, yeah. Oh yeah. I completely agree with it. She thinks that if, if you were to open hogs, that you would just have everybody and their brother out there trying to, slay hogs during i don't i don't disagree but i also think that if they want to open hogs out there there's no reason there couldn't be a weekend outside of your small game hunt weekend that hogs were open yeah Yeah, when i when i go to places to small game hunt and it's when i go places to small game hunt and hogs are open and hogs can be killed with center fire rifles it's, it's no, it, I got to admit it, man. I, I get, I get a little bit more tenuous. Yeah. Right. Something about, well, you know, and I, and I shouldn't be, well, cause well, you're no. deer hunting, but usually I don't wear orange when I'm, when I'm hunting. If I'm going to go hunt small game in this general, and there's a, there's a hog hunt for rifles. You, you don't have to wear orange. Right. I do wear orange. Right. Right. Not that it's that big a burden, but if they did, if it's shotgun only, even though guys, well, guys could still be hunting with slugs. Yeah, so I think that's probably it, right? It's even with slugs, your range is limited, right? It, but you, you know, I, I don't disagree. Trying to run small game and hogs at the same time can be dangerous if people aren't very careful of what they're doing, because there's a lot of people not wearing orange. You're breaking a lot of brush, um, and if somebody shoots at movement or noise, may or may not be hog, um, and you don't want that to be a person. Yeah, and it it could like I said, I think the best thing for that is to, if you want to hunt hogs, let's let's open a, a hog hunt up, uh, outside of small game season, because I, I can tell you if it, if it was the case and you could run centerfire rifles and all that. And now, if you want to run, you allow the killing of hogs and you stuff to do it with a twenty two. I'm okay with that. I don't think there's anything more dangerous than hunting squirrels, right, <clears throat> or even a slug. But like I said, because you're you're fairly limited with a slug, you're not going to get much. You could stretch it past 100 yards, but you're really stretching it because you're having to aim so high. Yeah. It's part of the reason when I hunt our lease in Georgia, I will use 22. You're still throwing a piece of lead up in the air, which right. just for gun safety, thing, I know it's legal because oh, it's only 22. I don't want to hit with that damn thing coming down at a 45 degree angle. You know, I, it's just, it's my choice. And I don't, I don't, if somebody else 
chooses to do it, then I got zero beef. But man, on a public game hunt, public land hunt, I just, I just for me, what makes me comfortable, um, I don't use 22 for that because I don't, I know there's a bunch of people around. I would love to tell you that the reason I don't use a 22 to small game hunt on public lands is for a concern and safety, but it's really more for the fact that I just can't shoot a 22 as fast as I can shoot a 20 gauge. There's a lot. Yeah, I say, I'm, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty inaccurate on the fly with a 22. I know with a shotgun, I got a little bit wider. Yeah, but the and, thing. Uh, you never know. I mean, shoot, I ended up uh, bailing out of the truck, grabbing a 12 gauge, loading steel into it, and shooting at a duck. At the last small game hunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I stopped the truck, got out, grabbed my 12 gauge, put, took the lead out of it, put a steel, put steel in it. Actually, I didn't have any lead in it because I only had it because I only had 12 gauge steel. Ran down yeah. the road with ran it. Ran down the, ran back down the road with it and shot at a duck on the pond. When I hunt scrolls of the 22, I do it differently though. Where with a shotgun, and I might be doing it wrong, but I'm knocking down squirrels. <coughs> it's a, you're shooting moving targets, and you're trying to get them when they're still pretty close. Yeah. Where with a 22, I might stir them up a little bit, and they'll go loping off, but eventually they turn, they go to the other side of the tree. And you know how they, they'll play hide that hide-and-go-seek with you? Yeah. And they'll stick their head around? Well, with a shotgun, you might not take that shot. But a scope 22, oh. Yeah. Well, see, that's, <laughs> that's the trick we figured out. So, and if you're hunting with shotguns, it's a lot safer. What you can do is you can kind of circle around that tree. If you got two or three buddies with you, all right, man. One of you goes around the other side of the tree, and either either one of, one of you is gonna get it. You, <laughs> <clears throat> more than once, because we've done that with success. But more than once, it's, I swear the squirrels know exactly what they're doing. Because the thing's up there in the tree, and you start circling it. And they come hauling ass straight down that tree. And you're dropping your shotgun. And in the back of your head, you're like, he's dropping his shotgun. And then also we're both like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard a, I heard a funny fact the other day. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I could kind of see it. The reason squirrels get run over by cars so much is because they're alcoholics. They're constantly eating fermented fruit. And they get their slow as the reaction time. They just can't make up their mind and get flat in the road. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> mushrooms. I would just have assumed that it's because they're indecisive, but because <laughs> you catch them in the middle of the road, it's like left, right, left, right, left, right, and that last minute he's like right boom, under your tire. Yeah, but how many? How many? Think about it. I mean, if he's seeing three cars, he <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what you wanted to run from. Yeah. That's that why he's something to that. Back and forth on the road. It's it's possible. It's possible. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, and I I heard it, and I was like, you know what? You know, that's plausible. I'll give that a plausible. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like when, uh, you know, when you catch a real drunk person, they go trying to go one direction, but they got to go another one first and then back the other direction. And then they go to the other, the other direction and they finally correct themselves and they go kind of wandering off in somewhat of the direction they were trying to go in the first place. Speaking of people stumbling back and forth, great segue here. We go back a few episodes, talk about the canoe trip. Oh. Because we got there that that first when we started the night before we ever started the canoe trip. And, uh, Tristan earned what did he earn his nickname? What we call him? I can't st- stumble. Si- sidewinder. 
<laughs> something like that. Something like that. It was. I did, I was there. He got named before I got there. But yeah. it was something like that. It was uh, Gene that gave it to him. Yeah. <laughs> old Gene Weldon. Just catfishing with him. He got up to go pee and then wandered back and forth across the porch to get to the front door. <laughs> <laughs> but man, that was. I'm ready to go back. Oh, absolutely. And uh, on the subject of Gene, I. Uh, it was really my pleasure. I think we may have mentioned our friend Roman Ham- Roman Hamas, who is currently a contributor. Right? He's, he, has he started advertising? No, I haven't got any verbiage from him to run an ad. Well, one of the South's greatest legal minds, Roman Hamas, who spends some time down here and hails from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, he, he's up there, and, and I get a chance to hunt with him a couple times. But Gene Weldon, who's come to a whole bunch of our stuff, um, had a good friend, Don O'Neill. Don also lives in South Carolina. And these guys used to run all over the world, literally all over the world, um, doing fiberglass, underground fiberglass work, repairing um, like gas station fuel tanks and things like that. And they were yucking it up. And they retired, man, how they ever see each other. So I was fortunate enough to go up take Gene up to meet Roman and also meet um, Don in South Carolina. We were on Lake, not Lake Moultrie, Lake Marion. And man, we got into the catfish. In fact, I yeah, should have brought did. some. No kidding. I got, dude, I got. You got catfish for days. We caught gross weight before we cleaned them well over 200 pounds of catfish. Good yeah. Lord. That's yeah. a lot of catfish. Yep. Some good, good eating fish too. Sounds like one hell of a fish fry. Yeah, we did. We had a hell of a fish fry. Oh man! And Don, he sent me the recipe. Don O'Neill. Don's originally from Conroe, Texas. Right, he's all in their youth back when Willie Nelson all them were coming up. But Don had Don made venison, smoked venison sausage. Not. We also made summer sausage, which is good. But I'm talking smoked venison link sausage. Which, for my taste, I've never really had it good. It's too lean. Right? Just never come. Brothers got it right, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. Yeah. Anyway, that was our little side joint there. But that's another trip that, yeah, it's just man, I'm trying to line up the days and run up there. You don't really need two days of catfishing. We did two days. One day's enough. But <laughs> Get more meat than you can handle. It's not really fishing. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 so we don't run the whole podcast down this thing. You get out there in your boat, ideally like a pontoon boat or the tri hauls are even better because it's super smooth. Yeah. And you're drifting with the wind. You throw a drift sock out because you only want to drift like at half a mile an hour. You can be anywhere from 20 to 70 feet of water. You put, coming off the rear, you go down to a three way swivel. Right, so you got two. One one of the three ways is connected to your rod, <clears throat> and then you've got one that drops a line, maybe three feet, not even two and a half feet. And on the bottom of that, you'll have some some breakaway sinkers, and that's what actually drags along the bottom over logs and stuff like that. And then off the top swivel, you have another eighteen inches to a shiner. Dead hmm. shiner, frozen, whatever, you know, stink right. bait. And you array your rods, right? And then you 
you run them at different lengths. Like some might be 300 feet behind the boat. Some might only be 120. Some might be. In, or, yeah. Well, short, longer, but yeah. Yeah. So that way you've got the, you've got depth of field. Different, yeah. And yeah. covered. And some, and by doing that too, you're creating a giant, a long stink pattern, right? The first couple minnows go by and the catfish might not be there, but the catfish is looking and then all of a sudden comes along your 200 footer and pew, right? Um, but that's it. Once you get them out there, there's nothing left to do but chillax, pop open a cold one, you talk about whatever you want. You know, somebody's got to make sure you're not going to drift into the trees. And, you know, every 15 minutes, boom, and somebody grabs a rod. It's the easiest, most chillax way of fishing. I've, it's, it's like bank fishing off a boat. It's, it's heavenly. Yeah. I saw quite a few people catfishing in the Swanee River. Yeah. Sitting there anchored in the middle of the river, fishing with the current. Yeah, but they're not drifting. No, they're not. But th- do they really need to drift that much if they're if the, the river's kind of doing it for them? So one of the things it's, you saw probably yeah. would work on the Swanee. What these dudes do if they don't have a drift sock is they run their boats in reverse. It's not very, it's fu- not very fuel efficient, right? So they'll figure out what the drift rate is in the wind, and they'll run their boats in reverse to slow their drift. You could do that on the Swanee. Yeah, you just kind of paddle drop. backwards, sort of. <laughs> I guess if you're not in a in a canoe, it'd be be fairly easy. But we spent we spent you know, five days in a canoe. Did you see that uh, Jake uh, go funded himself uh, his way to a trolling <laughs> motor? Yeah, no, did he really? He got it to the trolling motor. He got. Oh he my got goodness, it. I can't believe awesome. it. Trolling motor and a battery. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't his know. Whole, I didn't. His whole spiel with it, dude. I loved it. He was talking about like giving a needy person some money for. He's like, which in turn means that. So he, I can buy myself a chill motor. <laughs> he he posted he posted the GoFundMe up on his birthday. Uh, oh yeah, to donate <laughs> donate yeah. you a needy. He's like Facebook's asking for a charity or whatever. This is my GoFundMe to get me a trolling motor, and if it doesn't make it all the way to this, I'm just going to use it to buy beer. <laughs> well, he got he got his trolling motor. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, guess he doesn't need Matt next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's still going to take Brick Lesnar. <laughs> But you know that was that was a lot of fun. We ate a lot of fish on that frying fish up going down through the river. And man, the pictures I seen y'all caught some ham bones out there. Boy, the beetle spin was fire, fire, son. It's got me itching to just grab grab a whole bunch. Of, I lost all my beetle spins. Yeah. You, oh, you, as soon as you find a beetle spin that works and it's working really good, I guarantee you, four or five um, fish, you're gonna hook a log. You know what it mm. makes me want to do. Hmm. Throw a troll motor on the canoe and go uh, beetle spin the black water. Mm. Yes, sir. I, I bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, there's a lot of good little rivers like that around here. We could go, you, we have, hell, you could even get up in the St. John's in some spots and beetle spin. You go do some bow fishing. Yeah. The dang tilapia are out thick. Are they bedding right now? I don't know, but I've got some buddies that have been bow fishing, and they've been bringing, I mean, the big igloos. They've been bringing the big igloos back. That's a fish I don't know fight. where they're going. You you asked me where. I, I don't know I don't know where they're going, but I just know that they're out thick. 
tilapia or tilapia wow all right yeah every time yeah. i see those things they're like ghosts like, oh tilapia look we just didn't shoot at a tilapia oh man <laughs> oh man you talk about when they get in thick i've been on lake george not even up juniper i've been on lake george one time and this was three or four years back uh it was before i even had a mud boat and uh it was so thick that we were gigging them and I would gig one. As soon as I could sling it off from the boat, I was reaching down for another one to gig. I mean, it was just doom, 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 fast as you could. If as many as you could get to as fast as you could, they were going on the boat. I remember one time we were out boat fishing, and we got in this, like, back off. We went down a side canal that led to another side canal that led to another side canal that went up into a neighborhood. And they were everywhere in that yes. back, back, back canal. And we just as fast as we could shoot them. Bringing them in the boat. Problem is, a lot of those places like that, man, they're getting so many houses on them. They're just not there like they used to be. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that was pretty thick full of houses where we're at there, but it was also, yeah. it, 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 I guess you could have put some sort of boat dock in there and got back out to, you know, talking about when we were, we were kind of up in Orange Groves. Yeah. Yeah. I know yep. exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Houses on one side, Orange Grove on the other. Yep. That's probably houses. I would say the orange grows probably side. houses now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a been a hot minute. Well, since they were I've been surveying back it last time we were out that way. Oh man, and well, yeah. So more than likely, yeah. You know, that's it's all houses around there now. You mentioned orange groves. That's something I miss. When when I was a kid down in the Conway area, my neighborhood had orange groves on both sides of it. They're all now houses. But when you said that, I was just man. It just brought this vivid reminder of a smell that oh, I just haven't yeah. smelled in a long time where it used to be there was just you know it was orange grove blossom season man when they were in blossom it almost makes you sick you can oh, still smell, smell them up and you, there's still enough grove say, in you too you can smell them when the wind is right I pick it up off of this grove back here and sometimes when my trees get into bloom I can smell them but so it, it lasts it's it's so quick they're gone just with one tree yeah it's kinda so quick pitching it back to our podcast here I'm still staying with what well, we we're, we're we can go on. We we well, I'm we still talking about fishing. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm still talking about what we're talking about here, and we can. This is a good segue, but uh, we're talking with Chris about uh, you know what to use when you're fishing. What's good, right? And and uh, we talked about Google Earth, right? So it's a good thing to use when you're fishing because Google Earth, Google Earth Pro has a thing where you can go back in time. Mm-hmm. You can go all the way back to 1985. Now, Grant, you go back to 1985, it's just a big black and gray blur. <laughs> but the last good image is about 1995. Sometimes in some places you can get a good 1990 image. Yeah. But I always love every time, because I use Google Earth every single day. I always love every time I get to a place... And it's like Winter Garden or something. If I'm oh, kind of scoping God. out there, yeah, I will scan back to 1995 and just look at the mass amount of orange grove that was in that area. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. And you honestly, I, I'm honestly, it's I've been extremely surprised where you look at places. You're like, man, that's built up. They're like, I wonder what that looked like in 1990. You scroll back, nothing. There's still a decent amount of houses there. Oh, you I don't, was thinking like you you underestimate how many houses were being built in Florida in 1990. 
Yeah. I, I, when you, it, when, again, that was part of my stomping grounds that West Orange County, my junior and senior year of high school, and you mentioned west of uh, Oakland, west of Winter, yeah. I'm sorry, south of Oakland, south of Winter Garden, 535, you could follow it all the way back towards yeah. Disney. Man, it was all twisty, two-lane, barely better than horse track roads. And now it's a thoroughfare and all that Wintermere, you know, like the expansion of Winter Garden and Windermere is um, from my old man, my youth in in the late 80s, uh, entirely different place, entirely different place. Yeah. But it's progress, man. I know it's, who the hell am I to tell somebody else say, that is stuck living in Detroit or Boston or Buffalo? To not enjoy Florida. Like, because I do. I Whenever I'm up there, I'm like, why are you here? And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, I don't want to tell you how nice it is down there because you'll come. <laughs> you know what sucks, though, is like I, I spent some time in the mountains of New York, and it's absolutely beautiful there, too. In July. Well, yeah. Well, that, yeah, so I'll tell you about getting caught by surprise there. I showed up in, let's see, I was there from April until July, and... uh I show up there and I'm like, yeah, man, it's it's hot in Kentucky, man. I'll I'll be fine, right? I show up there and I wake up in the morning and it's like 38 degrees. I'm like, dude, I don't have a jacket. I was freezing my butt off for about three days until we went into town, and the only thing I had at that point, the, the only store that had a jacket was the Eddie Bauer store. I'm like, well, I'm not about to spend yeah. <laughs> an ungodly amount on a warm one. So I bought like a fleece jacket from the Eddie Bauer store for like 60 bucks, but I had to have it. There was no way I was getting around not having it for the next month. Bro, That that's kind of like those back to canoe trip where like I tried to tell people on that call or like people that I talked to prior <laughs> to, I'm like, listen, I underestimated how cold it gets at night on the Swanee. Bring something warm at night and first, then first night first night i wake up at like five o'clock in the morning to go pee four or five o'clock in the morning and uh it's got to be like 50 degrees oh yeah i wander out of the the little uh like screened in elevated platform to go pee and i come back in and matt he says can you can you can you turn the ceiling fan off i was like bud i'll i'll turn it off i don't think it's gonna help you much because i can see my breath I was gonna say it was a lot lower than fifty degrees. That yeah, first it night. was it was yeah. chilly that first. Well, I all tried to had, tell people. I was like, all he had was a bed sheet, mm-hmm. not a not a comforter, even just the sheet. Jay Jake had a a, uh, a sleeping bag, but he was still cold the first night. I was like, listen, I tried to tell you guys, it gets cold. Like it is hotter than. I have some analogies I could use, but I won't use them on the podcast. It it gets hot during the day. Hot, hot. Hot, hot. Africa hot. Yeah. And you would not expect it to get that cold at night, but it does. Oh, yeah. It chilled down good. And I was sleeping in like jogging pants and a hoodie inside of a sleeping bag. And you were still at yep. a tad bit of a nip to you. I was I was like perfectly chilled. I would say it was the perfect bed. kind of nip to put you to yeah, sleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wandering around with that at night, I mean, I'm glad I had it when I got up to go pee because I probably would have been really cold had I not had that stuff on when I got up to go pee. But no, you're right. It was it was kind of chilly. And then some of the nights, I think like by the time we got to the last night, that was pretty warm. That wasn't bad. Yeah. 
I was plenty warm there, but I don't know, man. That that was a lot of fun. You get and then to bring it back to we talk about fishing, and and that I lost my train of thought. I'll tell you, I'll I'll, I'll take over. It was really you. only a link. Yeah, I just recently sold my truck, my my Duramax. Is yours that sweet red ride out there? That's my mom's. Oh, I'm, mom's I, got good I, taste. I am possibly going to pick up my new one tomorrow if uh, the dealership works with me because I told them what they're asking for their truck is too much. So they're all asking too much for all of yeah. them. Well, they're asking, uh, they're asking above what the market value is right now. So away from that, I sold my truck and uh, I've decided that I'm only going to put a certain amount down. And I had an epiphany today. That I've already taken some of it and I've putting it aside to build like a little bit bigger of a cushion, like a rainy day fund. But what I have left, I think I'm going to take and go to like your cousin, Matt, or McGillivray. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to have to build the polling platform. I want so badly. I want a polling platform for my boat. And for so long, I've been like, I just, I don't want to spend the money on it. Now I'm like. I got a little bit of cash left over in hand from what I want to put down on a truck and what I've saved. Go get the polling platform because that is literally the only thing that keeps me from going flats fishing that boat right now because I just hate not having a polling platform when I'm flats fishing. You're talking about the back of the boat? Yeah. Up over the motor? Just go pay, pay somebody to build me one for it. Yeah. Man, you know, what gets me about those things too is it's not just the platform. Then you go out and take a look at what they're getting for the poles with the, you know, the, I, don't, I don't know enough about them. I have one. I have Damn, two. They're expensive as hell. Yeah. I have two. The one that is, I have one that's, I have like a piece of PVC on my fence. I bought a flats boat a while back and it came with it and it was in a tad bit of disrepair. So I sanded it down and refinished it and I keep it in a piece of PVC now on my fence, hmm. but it's 15 foot. It's called a 15 foot stiffy. Stiffy is a company that makes it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's a so, good name for it, isn't it? But it's a, it's a carbon fiber uh, push pole. Is 15... it carbon fiber or fiberglass? It's carbon fiber. Now, the thing, but the thing with those light. is, too, when you're talking 15 feet, if you made it out of aluminum It actually may be 20 because, oh, it's 20. Sorry, oh, yeah, it's, it's 20 longer foot. in your boat. It's 20 foot. So, it's longer in my boat. But um, it is extremely, like, I can take it with two fingers and, and pick it up. You have to have it light because if it was heavy and you're trying to reach back 20 feet back to silently set that thing in the water or you're moving 20 feet around to silently, it's just, it would be. But when I sold that boat, much. I kept the pole because I knew I didn't want to pay another 800. I don't want to pay $800 for a new one. That's what I mean. I was going <laughs> to go out and get one of those things. I thought that was like maybe a $75 item. You ever want to borrow it? Just let me know. You'll never get it back. Didn't I? <laughs> I made one. I made one. You made one. I made one. I was there with you. It was heavy. Yeah, it was. It's got awful. It heavy. was out of a piece of aluminum pipe with PVC on the end of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I the, it was that was in the uh, the skiff. Yeah, I uh, have. I also have one from Fast Duck Motors, Sid. That is aluminum. That is, I think it's uh, probably ten or twelve foot, and uh, it's a little heavier, but it's nice to keep on the boat for like a daily use. Because if I get the mud boat stuck in some thick stuff that still has water underneath it, I can use that aluminum one to 
to push. I'd be afraid I'm going to break my carbon fiber one, but that's that's like uh, kind of like the one I've got. That's made out of a uh, an anchor for a, for something. Remember with the, the eye bolt stuck in the top out of it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I still have that anchor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm talking about like the uh, like you just like a push anchor. You push it down the ground and tie off to it. But the the thing that thing is made out of like a uh, like a telephone pole anchor with the oh, bottom yeah, yeah, cut yeah. off of it. So you can just push it down in the muck. It's got an eye bolt stuck to the top, so you got something to tie off to. Yeah. Uh, but the anchor for the Carolina Skiff, that dang like four-inch piece of steel pipe, straight full of lead. <laughs> it's in the John boat. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you can throw that. I could throw that sucker out of that 12-foot John boat on plane with a strong enough rope, and it'll stop it dead. Cup plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll well, rip, it'll the, rip the transom off that thing. <laughs> so you say the boat stops, and everybody in the boat keeps on going. <laughs> but the but the nice thing about that anchor is is I don't ever get it stuck in anything. It doesn't get stuck in, in the rocks. It doesn't get stuck. It doesn't get hooked anything. It's just so god-awful heavy that it holds the boat wherever you want it to hold it. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the greatest things about running small boats, man, is you just, by necessity, even if you really work to maintain those things, man, you better be good on your feet. Just, just, it's always something, man. Whether it's where you lose an anchor, you need to make an anchor or a push pole or something breaks. and I mean, fuses, just, <laughs> it's. Little motors, man. That's Kill just you. boats in general. Yeah. Make a fifteen-gallon fuel cell. That's that's why they call, that's why it's called a boat. It's an acronym. Break out of the thousand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hell, man! I was out in the middle of a swamp one time with a guy that hardwired his Gator light right into his battery. Had a short. Next thing you know, the, we didn't need the light anymore. The whole thing was glowing. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know that guy? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I once went. I once went boat fishing with the. <laughs> Unplug your battery. Now. There's a short. Unplug your battery. We're gonna catch on fire. I was trying. I can't. I say I want. I once <laughs> went bow fishing. <laughs> I once went bow fishing with a very similar guy who wired his trailer lights on the outside of his on the outside of his trailer and just held the wire on with zip ties for how many months? I don't know. It worked for a while. Yeah, worked until it didn't. <laughs> no, no, it worked until I finally put a new new lights on it. Every time we hook it up, it says, is that light working? No, go ahead and just move the wires a little bit up and down the side of the boat. Tighten the zip tail a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Briar's bandsaw yesterday. No, no, no. We didn't. Um, we were going to Guana River. Were we the first time we did that? Oh yeah, because yeah, I had to, that's I, when you I found out that you boat. had too big yeah. of a motor after yeah. you were already in the water. <laughs> I towed the dang boat down the interstate all the way up to St. Augustine. That's why I wouldn't. I didn't want to pull it without trailer lights on it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want the ticket. Now nah, I remember. Yeah, right. that's what it was. I got a hunting right. trailer in Georgia that was put back together by a fellow who would use shortcuts. Like the whole, well, first the whole thing to power it is actually backfed, right? So you, <laughs> it, you use mail pl- anyway. But I would occasionally trip a breaker in there. Just you know, you like you you run in the refrigerator, you turn the TV on, the breaker blows. Um. That's a little rough. But, but yeah, yeah, I know. So especially like when it would get Hang cold. on, unplug the fridge. We want to watch the game. Oh, pretty much, yeah. But man, when it would get It's kind of like the studio. Yeah, and you fire up an oil heater. So every now and again, I would, you know, you get ready to doze off to sleep. And I would think about that there was only one way in and out. And then I'm using an oil heater. And God knows how this thing's actually wired. And then there's rats and stuff living in it. So God knows what they've gnawed through. And all I could think of is like, I'm going to die in a fiery death. 
right? <laughs> I, I feel and like it's hard been... to go to sleep when you're really thinking there might be a legitimate <laughs> chance you're going to wake up on fire. I feel like that's I... been part of the excitement of going to Georgia my whole entire life. Look, the, the like book. everything we live, everything we stayed in in Georgia was, in one way or another, kind of shoddy, <laughs> and until this past couple years. And you oh, go you, up there you and tell you're like, me when you guys were in that li- the little better cabin, me and Briar are still going, hey, don't step on that spot. It's soft right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wired our new hunting trailer up there, and I don't think I got more than one major outlet, whether it's the air conditioner or the television or the dryer. They're all on more than one heavy thing. Like, I, I don't really know what the code is, but there's no way I'm even close to Could using. Could be underprotected. Huh? You could be underprotected. What's it? So, like, if you have... Don't do a, this to me. If you have a circuit that is, like, it's a two-amp circuit, and you put a five-amp fuse on it, you could have an overload, still burn up the equipment, and not blow the fuse. No. That's I, I'm doing. the opposite. Like, I've got heavier gauge wire than is necessary, and only got, like, three total outlets on every five or ten-amp. Ten-amp is normal, right? Uh, t- Something t- like that. No, it's like I was saying, it's just the opposite. That when I wired that thing, I wanted to make sure that... Bigger wires only for a longer run. So You're killing me, you, Mr. Elevator all right, Man. All right, all right, all right. Don't Unless he... Hold on here. Real quick. So, if you have a wire, right? If you have 100 foot of wire, right? You could have the same amount of resistance on it if as 50 foot if you make it bigger or smaller. Smaller. Yeah. So... Bigger wire, like that's not affecting how much it draw. doesn't heat up as fast over. It's a only run. resistance. That's not much, too much on your amperage, and that's only for voltage drop. So if you have a longer run, you need a heavier wire for like just if you're still running just regular one ten. If you have a really really long, like over a hundred foot, that's when it's you a need trailer, to man. It's like size. twenty feet. That's what I'm saying. You but I got fat go wire, wire on that thing anyway, and the two twenty that goes to the dryer. I I forget like. It's this big around. <laughs> like, well, you got like but SO here, cord or something? Like I, I, you, we, I snatched it off something. Here's the question. Is it really a hunting camper if it's ever had a title, if, if you have the title to it? I do not have the title to right. either one. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because when we took, we got that camper, because me and Briar stayed in the camper we got from my dad that, man. That, tr- we, that, that thing was never even tagged. Yeah. We we had it for, I asked my dad, I was like, hey, you got a, you got a title for this thing that we can sign over so we can tow it? He's like, well, I haven't had a title for it the entire 15 years I've had it. He said, I never got it when I, when, I, when I bought it. I was like, all right. He goes, y'all just follow me. I was like, okay. So we're following down the road with walkie-talkies back and forth. I'm like, hey, hey, pull over, pull over. You're about to lose the, the window shade. <laughs> Going down the road and just staying right behind him, you know. Uh, and we did two hours across the state of Georgia that way. Yeah. That's part of our hunt camp's natural defense is if somebody were to wander back in there and stumble into our little enclave, it would probably strike fear to them. They're like, oh, my God, who lives here? And they're thinking some sort of mongoloid. They're you know, thinking they're, like, fixing, yeah. they think they're fixing to break into a, a meth lab. Yep, you, they're you, waiting <laughs> for banjos, man. You we break a, a break a <laughs> yeah, break a beam, and then no speaker off in the woods goes. But then you get into that trailer, it's like wow. Yeah, man, I've got satellite TV in there, so <laughs> two air conditioners. 
I have literally never had satellite TV hunting camp. Yeah, we got the kind of TV. We had the kind of TV where it was like, hey, it's not coming in clear. Go in there and turn the antenna. Twist the, <laughs> go, go twist the antenna pole, see if it'll come in a little better. And if, even that, man, we had, I remember for the longest time, Dad had that dang silver radio. Yeah, sat up with, the, with like two foot of tin foil on each antenna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you can listen to him coon hunt on the radio live on Saturday nights. That was, man, that was way back in the day in Georgia, though. I don't know if they still do that over the radio. I doubt they still do that over the radio. But guys would, you'd come call in coon hunting over the radio station and running coon dogs, call in, you hear just, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> but that was always one of my fondest memories of going there and listening to the radio. Still and you me. know what? I'm going to kind of segue here and say, I think that's one of the great things about uh, what Cameron Gordon's doing. 100%. Because there's there's so many people that have never experienced this, this stuff that we're talking about, right? And that is stuff that you will cherish for your whole entire life, but they've never even attempted to hunt. They don't know how to do it, and they're scared to do it because, I mean, quite honestly, you think you're walking into the woods with a gun. You don't know what you're doing. If you don't go in the woods very often... I've been hunting for, I would venture to say, at least 22 years. I've been in the woods. Yeah, and it's intimidating. I've been been hunting almost my whole entire life, and there are still times where I hear stuff in the woods where, like, I'm I'm locked and loaded. I'm ready to shoot something because (laughs) it's my life for years. But you're you're right, because without someone to teach me from a young age how to hunt to take me to the woods... I wouldn't have these stories to tell you right now. Absolutely. I know how I'm going out. No doubt, man. It's going to be one of those nights. You're coming out at night. You sat in the stand like right till flat last shooting light. And you got a decent walk back to the truck. And you're going to be cutting across the peanut field. You're going to be right at the edge. And a deer that's been watching you come for half a mile (laughs) is going to wait until you're right next to it. And then it's going to blow real loud from two feet away and stomp <laughs> off into the woods. I'm going to feel my heart come blowing straight out of my chest. That's the last thing I'm going to remember. And you're going to find me laid out in a peanut field. See, i tell you what I think is going to get me. Graveyard dead. I think what's going to get me is a covey of quail. Or those. Especially Co- if you bust them in the morning. And say a covey of quail at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. In the dark that literally blows up literally around you and in your face. Um, Mothra. I, yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I have ever in my life come so close to literally shitting my pants until I've, I stepped into a covey of quail. I mean, a big covey of quail at, at, at in pitch black darkness. I didn't have my Listen, light on. I don't know because uh, yeah. I've I've wandered up on uh, for somehow because they are the most vigilant animals I've ever met. Come across. I've wandered up on some turkeys that have taken off at the last minute. And I swear to you, I never knew my legs could move that fast. (laughs) (laughs) Like you think the covey of quail sound loud. You get a couple turkeys flying, taking off somewhere. Yeah. You know, you know all about turkeys flying. Yeah. And I was ready to, I was ready to jump out of my climber and (laughs) I was going to kill myself before whatever creature was in the woods could maul me to death. (laughs) (laughs) Before we rehab that trailer I was just talking about, there used to be rat turds piled up in the corner with, without even the slightest bit of embellishment 
four to six inches thick and probably if you think about a corner coming out of radius two and a half feet just we literally shoveled it out with a with a coal shovel but my friend jason geiner and i went in there once and there was this old sleeping bag in the back in the bedroom and we're just going into the trailer because we hadn't been there in a while and we're, we, we go into the bedroom and um i think something we heard something move a little bit right and i was like what and then I flipped open, I flipped open the sleeping bag. And just as I flipped it, there was the biggest skink, those rainbow colored skinks. Yeah. I'm not, I think, well, at the time, I'd have told you it was three feet long, but it was, it was a, it was a solid foot and it, you know, they're, they're quick and they, you know, cause we were already kind of creeped up by this trailer. We both made. The most high pitched feminine sounds, <laughs> and we both we both hit the exit. You know, because a trailer hallway is what eighteen inches wide, twenty inches wide. We both hit that exit at the exact same time, shoulder to shoulder, and briefly got stuck like <laughs> like you'd seen a Flintstone move. <laughs> and went running out of there, and both of us kind of looking at each other was just a combination of just shame and glad that you know, and then humor that man, I'm glad nobody else saw that. <laughs> So I I tell you I tell you two stories about grown men running for their lives and uh and rats all right so one the first one's the rats I, my uh, my uncle used to have a lease in um Woodbine Georgia mm. and I remember just the one time we went over there with him were you there with us when that happened when when I'm t- no I, so, when you said my uncle I was thinking about Marshall Lake no so <laughs> we uh. We go into this cabin. He's got this little cabin built. And we go in there, and this rat is running across. It's coming around the top of the rafters uh, at the very top. And uh, my dad had a twenty-two pistol on his hip. And I've watched this man shoot more things with that twenty-two pistol that I could I could tell you. you a can't revolver. Hit yeah, that you can't hit that with a twenty-two revolver. He whipped that revolver out. Kaplow! Shot it right off top of the rafter. <laughs> Graveyard dead. Gut shot onto the mattress. He just walks mattress. over. He just walks over, picks up with a Walmart bag, wipes the guts. I was like, "All right, boys, time for bed." I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm not sleeping on that bed. That'll make a man out of you, right <laughs> yeah. there. And then uh, I remember another time we went to the camp we had in Blakely, and we're we're unloading things out of the truck and going into the camper, and we're all up on the porch, and a skunk came out, Ooh. and we were standing, we were standing on the picnic table everybody's down on the picnic table oh you you go get the gun i'm not getting the gun you, you got a gun no, no no it's in the truck you go get the gun <laughs> just watching the skunk wander around the porch hoping it doesn't go in the open door to the camper because <laughs> oh, nobody wanted to go to the yeah, nobody wanted to get down and mess with the skunk <laughs> yep man the first trip back to hunting camps always a little interesting yeah i don't we got glue traps and things like that you know and when you open the door and you're like ooh, that's death yeah. <laughs> Where is it? Now, yeah. it? My dad put out rat poison, and the rats chewed the rat poison up, and put it under his pillow. Yeah. On his bed. <laughs> Till we started wow. using that peanut, that special peanut butter. <laughs> the special peanut butter. Them suckers that eat it and wouldn't make it <laughs> ten feet away from where they ate the special peanut butter. There's strychnine. It was timic. Peanut butter mm. with timic. It's it's a there's a jar of peanut butter to hunt camp. It's got a skull and crossbones drawn on it. Don't make a sandwich with that peanut butter. Yeah, because you won't make it 10 foot away from where you just took your first bite into that sandwich. Wow. 
Uh, that's that's the special peanut butter, the good peanut butter. That'll put them down. If the rat trap don't catch them, that'll get them. Well, before we go too much longer, man, you want to chat a little bit about uh, our latest ah, yeah, we haven't even talked oh, about the wood duck boxes. Yeah, man. But we gotta yeah. get them out. So how many we've, did- we've been fortunate. I'm gonna start it out with. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Oh, so we've been fortunate to have uh, some really awesome listeners. Yeah, yeah. That uh, have become very great friends and have put in a lot of their own personal time to do this with us. And I just want to go ahead and thank them for that because absolutely, it's been great. And a lot of the stuff like goes out. We don't always post these smaller things we'd like some help like that on the under pressure outdoors facebook page um but if you're part of upo nation and so you see stuff like that pop up from us you know for individually um asking for help with this or that and shoot been known to have a invite to go gator hunting on there too yeah yeah it pops up every now and then invites to hunt places with with us and other people that are on the group and you know help dragging deer finding deer whatever it's all there yeah um and that's that's just kind of like a an interactive space for our listeners um to go there and and share funny memes and whatever else but that's where you see a lot of that stuff pop up there and that's those people of the under pressure outdoors nation we they really came together and helped us make it happen i was i tell you too that we uh i can almost guarantee you that every person that has come to some kind of event with us, we have, uh, and I've really enjoyed it, we've made some great personal relationships with those people. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And, and and some of the stuff that doesn't make it onto the page is because that we have made such great personal relationships with the people that show up to our events that we have their numbers and we're able to create a group yeah. chat and say, hey, everybody, if you can come, we're doing this. Yeah, I, I was trying to find that list because um, we, we had one of the things that helped out this whole project start out, we were going to build 50 duck boxes. And that was originally supposed to be done in concert with another organization that for reasons unknown, budget, whatever, backed out. So COVID. it set us back a little bit. Yeah, COVID. That's, I mean, that's when lumber Fine. went through the freaking roof. Well, yeah, well that yeah. didn't help, right? But so... But it, it was it was a, it was the greatest blessing in disguise. Yeah. Because along the time they're running for the hills, we we met Joey Lyon. I'll say Florida Duck Hunters has been a uh, hell yeah, a Florida massive help in all this. And the guys at Villages DU, and then um, Jason Gonder's son Nathan, the Boy Scouts, yeah. wanted was running his Eagle Project. So it all came together, and the list of total people that donated money or time or a lot of cases both i don't i wish i could find it right now on my phone but it's got to be 30 people deep oh i'm sure you know and we built 58 wood duck next nesting boxes and i wish i had the data about from du because they publish it for every so many boxes that you pull out what the nest success ratio is and like how many ducks actually lived in maturity but you know you put 58 wood duck boxes out and providing that you're actually putting them in decent habitat you're you're actually you're genuinely producing a decent number of ducks probably as many as we will well i don't know if it's gonna be as many as we'll take this year as a group but 
you know, and if we, I don't know if you can do it every year. Right? I think it's tough. We had, we had talked about it at uh, one night. We had gone to somewhere to eat after, and uh, I want to say at a very minimum, with the success rate of each box, if we put out fifty-eight boxes at a very minimum, we're looking at a success rate of at least fifty-eight hatchlings surviving. I think that was. I think it was. It was. It was. Well, producing. They're all producing. Ha- well, no, no, no. no. Yeah. It's it's what each box. So, I, I like, say if each box produces, it, if the success rate of uh, what do they call a, a brood, if the success rate of a brood, you know, you say they have six and it's three, it's and clutch, only a, so many a clutch. Okay, clutch a, a brood is quail. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't match. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm not, Anyways, even if. You know, if the success rate is three out of six, 50%, and only so many of the boxes get used, it's still equaled out to where. Yeah. So here's here's another neat thing about nesting boxes, uh, the wood duck nesting boxes, is a, a hen born. In a, it, it's not natural for a wood duck to use a nesting box. They want to find a tree, right? Once the uh, available trees are gone, then they'll use a box. Unless the hen was born and raised in a wood duck box then she will search out a wood duck box before she searches out a tree. So once you have a clutch or a, a brood or whatever you want to call it that raises a hen that survives, if she survives to nest again, she will come back to the same box she was born in. The same box? As far as I understand it, or a another wood duck box. But she will search out a box before she searches out a tree. I mean, there's been geese that have been re captured to be banded then seven foot of where they captured it originally like <laughs> years before yeah yeah you know within seven feet you gotta think man they're not stupid animals i mean that they're i smart. mean how i think about how amazing that is over so many years yeah of that migration that that goose was recaptured seven feet away from where it was. I think we need i don't know man I, i've been all the way to tokyo and keep coming back to the exact same place every night <laughs> we uh we need to figure out a uh a way because right i I don't think that we ourselves are going to put out all 58 of these boxes Mm. obviously you know we can but some people are going to want to put some some places but uh i think that we need to find a way to be able to to where all of us can keep track of those boxes Work well, on one it. one of the things when we, um, even though it's been quite a while ago, when we spoke with the um, gentleman at FWC, whose also name escapes me, um, one of the things we agreed to is that we would keep GPS coordinates at each one of the boxes and would, would service them. It's because they're not, they don't have the manpower to do so. So when we recruit the volunteers, I know that there's a certain amount of, ooh, I want to go put wood duck boxes over here and not tell anybody. It's kind of got to be one of the agreements, like, you know, it's not what they're for, you know, and. Well, you don't hunt a wood duck box. Right. No, no. Even when they're, when they're nesting, they're not staying, they, they forage away from their nest and come back to it, just like any other bird does. So. You want to put them in areas that are going in their, in their nesting areas. Right. Not in your hunting areas. You shouldn't, well. I say you wouldn't, but you shouldn't hunt a roost, right? And that's kind of where you want your your nesting boxes. Yeah, is in that roost area. 
fire. And I think that place that me and you found may not be when we we went we spent went way in the boonies that one day. Ended up having to push our boats mm. a little bit. I know we're I think that's more of a roost area. I don't think that's a hunting area. I don't know, man, because I just I hadn't seen a whole lot of birds out there. I mean, if we, maybe that's where the roost is. We also weren't there at the time when they leave roost. That's true. And where that area was, there was areas that they could have gone from where we were that would have or never come. Or when they come back. I mean, they're there. Yeah. You, you see, Pretty like spot, if you've ever but... sat past sunset and yeah. watched ducks. Oh, gosh. Dude, it picks that. There's a reason you have to stop hunting at sunset. <laughs> yeah. Because you can still see. For that next 30 minutes, but dude, and at that point, they're all heading back to roost, and they are everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. All right. Once we get them out, we still need a little bit of PVC for the Predator guards, and we're going to need some um, fence post drivers to drive the rebar into the schmutz. And that's it, man. And we, we need to go back out, really, during hunting season to fluff them up chase out any wasps that may have gotten in there between the time we actually put the boxes up. But um, it's going to be a good program. I don't think it's going to take a lot of maintenance. I've got a couple ideas. I would favor that maybe we use some of the larger chains of lakes where you don't have to pull your boat out of the water and trailer to another place. You may have to drive a ways where you you put a couple crews of guys, say, y'all go that way, I'm going this way. And and, and maybe, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't... I don't have a real strong feeling either way, but we can, I'd like to know all your opinions. It would seem to me that instead of covering a large area with one or two boxes, understanding that you, you don't put them right next to each other, right? You gotta, right. I, I, I know that. With outside, but, at least minimum 100 yards apart. Yeah, but it would seem to me that we might be better off trying to build up a population of wood ducks in one or two places. And then if we want to do this again, pick another place and maybe next time figure out where we want to do it and then build the boxes as opposed to build the boxes if you're going to put them. Right. But that's just, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how to do this. What is the right way? I was going to say, I don't want to sound bad on other organizations because they do a lot of stuff, but sometimes organizations put out boxes and they don't get maintained. So I feel like there is actually places where we could take down a dilapidated box, replace ours, and we don't even need to set rebar at have, that point. Oh, agreed. I have three places marked on on next that I with, put with dilapidated boxes. boxes. If the box is even there, like yeah, I could tell there was a box there, and that's yeah. about it. Just a post you know? in the ground now. Yeah, I, there might be a piece of the wood hanging uh, in there. And I would say that that would honestly be where we should start. I don't disagree, but I agree with you, Jim, using some of our bigger lake chains around us to, to use one boat ramp to service yeah. 20 or 30 boxes. The nice thing is, though, our, our bigger chains around us are where I'm thinking about of where boxes haven't oh, been yeah. maintained. I agree. And well, we're the, when you think about organizations putting a box, we're, saying, hey, we're, we're putting out these boxes. Right. Yeah. From the beginning, my biggest concern, or even knowing this person, is like, well, if you put them out there, you, they belong to everybody, right? But the maintenance responsibility stays with the person that put it out there, or the right. people. It's kind of a well, I don't know. You, nobody lives forever anyway, but 
it's it's something you kind of committed to and and then going back to making sure that these things are maintained because i really like now that i'm done i was getting sick of building wood duck boxes every tuesday for a couple months but now that they're done i'm already kind of like that wasn't so bad if getting the materials the money yeah that's kind of a pain but if you i think one of the things we should do is we should reach out to ducks unlimited there's a delta waterfowl chapter coming up or two in the state or other kids and whatnot and encouraging them to go out and maintain like not, 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 not request an obligation, but it's a neat thing to do. It's the way we built these things with hinges on the bottom. The time at each box is minutes, right? You roll up on the thing, maybe for your own preservation, make sure there's not wasps living in it, right? If there are hit them with the wasp spray, pull the pin on the bottom, boom, the hinge drops all the crap out. Tie it back together with a zip tie or some wire. Fluff it up again. Move on. Took me longer to tell you about it than it actually takes to service the box. All that went into the thought process. Well, and I was thinking, so, and maybe this, I mean, this may not come through, or but maybe we could do, like, an annual event post-duck season, maybe at February sometime, where we... Everybody's hey, you got a do, boat. You, you, you come can service, out. You can service wood duck boxes and clean up a waterway. Yeah. You service yeah. wood duck boxes, whatever, mm-hmm. and at the end we all meet somewhere for dinner or lunch or whatever and have mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, that's not – especially when you're talking about using a, like one boat ramp to access a large area or even at that rate if somebody wants to – we meet up at one spot in the morning and say, all right, this these these are your coordinates. This is This is where all the boxes are divide up into groups and say you've got these five these five these five these five and send people out there to go after it handing the materials to replace in the boxes <clears throat> and report back what you found i mean obviously you want to look in a box if the box wasn't nested in it doesn't need to have the material replaced let's save it let's not do all that but report back what you find and then come go back and yeah have a meal yeah i feel that's I mean, it may not be, it may be too expensive for us to like feed everybody. That oh yeah, no, we bring your own food. Yeah. We all go eat at a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. Something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't help. They don't all have to be serviced in one day. And even yeah. that, if you're, if you're I mean, putting you, them out in lakes that you're also hunting, remember one day to throw an extra bag of wood shavings in there with your, with your shotgun shells and just hit it on the way out. Right. Yeah. So, so and it's a possibility at that point too, that we might be able to get with some, carpentry shop or somewhere like that and say hey like if you guys need wood shavings these people are offering them right now take your trash bag right. go get them before we go do this well you really want to use cedar in those but yeah i think joey lyon's got a okay. a line on that but you know we'll have to work that out before next late winter before they start nesting yeah well, first we got, you know, one problem at a time. Let's worry about getting them installed. Let's give them in the water. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and that's got to happen. I think realistically that's got to happen this summer because, you know, man, once, well, we starting with gator we gotta, season. We got a bunch of permits coming up, so. Yeah. yeah. Once more hen season goes, ain't nobody going to want to do it. Yeah. It's going to be a busy hunting season. Unless I can do it after I'm done uh, hunting. I mean, you could always, like. You can, can more hen hunt whenever you Pound want. and. Whack and pound and whack. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but so, certainly you could. Well, I don't know. I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to go put 58 wood duck box up. Wood duck boxes up. That's not a one day. That's no. not a one day. Oh, one day okay. deal. Period. There's another part of this too. Um, 
we've already got a couple these guys are actually in Seminole County, a couple of fellas that are gonna volunteer to take one guy's gonna have his box rehabbed. Another fellow's gonna take a box. They both live in some wood duck friendly area. Um and they're gonna make a donation to DU to get a camera and then let DU use their Wi Fi so that they can put a camera in that box and monitor the hatchlings. So as I understand it from speaking with Joey, if you're listening to this and you live on a lake or you live on, it's got to be a wood ducky lake, right? I mean, right. Um, but if you've got wood ducks well, in your area and you're willing to make a donation, they obviously treat you very, very well. Um, but you can, you, you can sponsor a wood duck box and that whole watch them, watch them grow thing. That's pretty legit. I yeah. wish I had. I wish I had wood ducks. Yeah, but I, I think our next venture outside of wood duck boxes is to maybe build some uh, hen houses for model ducks, or build some yeah bigger hold boxes for uh, whistlers. Yeah, can uh, which are kind of a double use thing. The wood ducks will get in those too. But is there anything we can build? We, for we got more ten hens? of those out of the fifty. Yeah, there's ten that were big holes <laughs> for the more hens. Yeah, crack corn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem to need. So if help. you guys want to pitch in for some crack corn, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start a GoFundMe. Just kidding. Just You know, kidding. that's one thing that we did not utilize. Right. We should put a... There's nothing re- I don't know what the lifespan on those things are. GoFundMe. But why not do a GoFundMe? And yeah. just say 100% of these dollars goes to purchase materials for the building and maintenance of wood duck boxes. Yeah. But going back to why we're going to need people, if we really started doing this on an annual basis, and I don't know if we'll get there or not, we can maintain 58 but you aren't going to maintain 558. No. Yeah. yeah. That, that's going to so, need, like. I have an idea for that, but we'll, we'll talk about it later off podcast. I, I just thought about something. Well, you guys want to roll into the tip of the week? Oh, man. We're about, we're about an hour yeah. and a half in. I'm ready for it. Oh. I think I already forgot it. Briar, hang on. What? We've been doing this for, at this point, like 130 know. something episodes. You have been here for the majority of them. We just made fun of you last week for being here on the first one. Now, we didn't do a tip of the week back <laughs> then. But yeah. you think by now, you know, when you walk through that studio door and you sit down. There's going to be a tip of the week. About an hour and a half after you set your hind end in that chair, maybe a little more, there's going to be a tip of the week. Ah, I got my tip Sneaks of the week. up on I me every mine. week. <laughs> I, got I got it. Jim's got an excuse. He ain't been here as long as you have, but you have no excuse, Briar. <laughs> I got it. I'll what go first. Got, Hang on. Let oh. Briar go first. All no, right, Briar's going right, to go first right, now. Fine. Be prepared. <laughs> Nod to the Boy Scouts. Yeah, no, I'll give him that one. That's that's pretty good. Better to um, need it or have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Well, now I'll give you this though. Plus you the do, tip of the week, pocket you, knife, all sorts of stuff. You do Just reach don't a leave point laying around like Briar does. You you do reach a point though where you, when it comes to trying to pack things to somewhere, yeah. where you have you you really have to look at the have and not need and need and not have because. Yeah. Everything you have and don't need is weight you didn't need to carry. Yeah. There's, so. there's eh, a fine line there. There is. I will tell you, I'm, mine's going to be uh, write stuff down and uh, CYA. Because I've ran into some situations recently where I should have written stuff down. And then uh, one person or another said... Uh, I didn't say that, but I didn't write down what they said and dated it. So, email is your friend. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's Texas some message. situations where I'm not able to email about stuff. I need to know right here and there. So if I write it down, date it, who said it. Yep. Yep. So along with, this is kind of related. And I think it's a subject we've touched on before. We run into people all the time that have a need or a want or a project that's way too little to be addressed by an organization like Rocky Mountain All Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, you know, Wild Turkey. And, and sometimes people don't realize that their, their job is to create habitat and things like that. It really isn't maintain duck boxes. Though somebody will put a Ducks Unlimited sticker on it or a logo on there and, you know, the layperson doesn't realize that, you know, the big DU has nothing to do with that. That's right. somebody saying, hey, it's like an advertisement, but it works against them if they don't, if they put the duck box up and after one season, that's the last time they touched it, right? They just never maintained it. But where I was kind of going with that is, so you have a project that you want to do. And it's almost like they're they're looking at it like the elephant, right? You have to eat an elephant one bite at a time. So my, my tip of the week is you can do it. I don't care what your project is, but the the real tip is don't think that you're going to get it done in a week. We've learned the hard way, man. If you want people to come to something, like six months in advance is not too soon, right? One month in advance, you you, you blew it, right? Like you're going to get two, three people, but that's you'll never top two, three, five with only one month's notice. And then the last thing is, Ask your buddies, give them plenty of advance notice, get them to invite their friends, get them enthusiastic, and man, you can you can move mountains that way, right? So I, I don't know how to really sum that up into one single tip other than just be proactive and look well in advance and take it one step at a time. But maybe this is it. If you're going to have it done, start with a deadline. Put, yeah. that de- put that deadline six months, of, this is when we're going to be done. And then figure out on the other end what your very first action step is going to be. And that very first action step might be to let lots of people know that on this date, we're going to do something. Because now everybody knows you're going to do it. You're setting expectations. You're getting people's buy-in. You better produce. Right? And then go find the people. Don't worry about the people that say, I don't want to do it or that's no good or I don't think it's going to work. And that's going to... Those people are legion. Go find the people like, I'll do it. And man, we got, as we talked about earlier, at least a dozen guys that if, if we said, man, we got to have people, maybe not tonight. Well, actually, we, we got a dozen guys. If we said we got to have people tonight, one or two will show up. Yeah. yeah. But we got a dozen dudes. You give them six months notice, all 12 of those guys will be there, at least 11 out of 12, and half of them will bring another dude with them. Yeah. 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 And uh, that keeps growing. Well, uh, well th- I'm going to finish Jim's off with, uh, if you build it. They will come. <laughs> <laughs> they could make a movie around that. Yeah. Almost yeah. <laughs> like they did. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to preface mine with saying we, we shared a lot of hunting camp memories and laughable tales uh, from our times in the woods this week. And I would say not just take a kid, but take a friend or, or but a kid especially, take somebody hunting because – Conservation starts with you and ends with the last person you share the great outdoors with. And 
I wouldn't have had these memories and these funny stories to tell had somebody not taken me. So take somebody out in the woods, take them hunting, take them fishing, share your passion for the great outdoors with somebody else. I'm going to tell you, throw a couple things in here. If you're afraid, hit up Cameron Gordon. Absolutely. Oh, not yeah. necessarily, it doesn't even have to be afraid, right? Because some people... Intimidated yeah. would probably be I, I was going to say, I, yeah. I would say that I would, as a man, possibly, I would be afraid sometimes to tell somebody that I'm afraid. Right. So, But if it's just not something that I am comfortable with completely, hit up Cameron Gordon. I'll if tell you, you right If you're now, not comfortable right. with it. But I'll also tell you that, like we've said several times, we have made some amazing friends for this podcast. Yep. And if you would just come to some of our small game hunts or some of the events we put on, there are so many people, not just us that are in this room right now, but there are so many people within our circle of Under Pressure Outdoors that are 100% willing to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna finish this off and kind of caveat off caveat off what you said and uh i'm gonna say that if you are i'm a 31 year old man and uh there are still things in the woods in in the pitch black dark that will just get the hair on my neck standing up uh and if you say that doesn't happen to you uh you're a liar you're dead that's like saying you don't sleep in the tree stand (laughs) (laughs) we'll catch you guys next week